the presidential election is over, or at least it's probably over. We are now receiving data indicating how the economy's performance this year helped shape how people voted. As indicated by the New York Times, after the worst of the economic downturn in April, many of the most impacted Republican-leading counties recovered far more swiftly than Democratic-leading counties did, perhaps inducing even more loyalty to the incumbent president in red areas. Even though unemployment nationally began to decline in May, Democratic-leading counties continued to experience meaningfully higher rates of unemployment on average. Research indicates that Democratic areas tend to be more urban and have higher concentrations of service jobs. What may not seem as intuitive are data indicating that many people did not vote on the basis of the economy at all. There were many other issues to consider this year, including standard bearers like the environment and foreign policy, as well as the government's handling of the pandemic. In exit polls conducted by Edison Research, among those who said the economy mattered most across a range of issues, 83% voted for Donald Trump, compared with only 17% who supported President-elect Biden. For WIPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated in a recent Bloomberg article, given the ongoing record-breaking COVID-19 spike, governors, county executives, and mayors across the nation are bringing back social distancing directives with restaurants among those experiencing the tightest restrictions. Governors in Illinois, Michigan, Kentucky, and Washington have issued statewide bans on indoor dining, and it's not allowed in most of California. That means that the acute agony experienced by the restaurant sector is about to worsen. Nationally, restaurant sales declined in October, which was the first monthly decline since the end of the spring lockdowns. The current set of lockdowns could be even more damaging since many restaurants remain financially weak. According to the National Restaurant Association, one in six U.S. restaurants, or about 100,000, have closed permanently or for a very long time. Looking ahead, 40% of restaurant operators indicated in a September survey that their establishment is unlikely to remain in business as of February without additional financial aid. America is presently home to about 2 million fewer restaurant jobs than prior to the pandemic. In Illinois, the state could see as many as 30% of its 25,000 restaurants close next year. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by the great writer Patricia Cohen, for millions of working women, the coronavirus pandemic has delivered a ruinous and rare one-two-three punch. First, the economic components that were most damaged by job losses this spring are ones that women tend to dominate. Restaurants, retail businesses, and healthcare. Then a second wave of job losses impacted state and local governments, another area in which women outnumber men. And the third punch has taken the form of the closing of childcare centers and the shift to remote schooling. That has induced many women to give up their jobs in order to satisfy household responsibilities. For instance, in September, Many more mothers left the workforce than fathers. This triple whammy is not simply pushing women out of jobs that they have held, but is also preventing many from seeking out new ones. At the individual level, this can limit career prospects and earnings over a lifetime. Macroeconomically, it could stunt growth by robbing the economy of many educated, experienced, and dedicated workers. According to the Census Bureau, a third of women who are unemployed and between the ages of 25 and 44 said the reason for their unemployment was attributable to childcare responsibilities. Only 12% of unemployed men 
cited those demands. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Anibon Basu. While there is much misery across the nation, there are a few economic segments that have consistently posted solid results. Large social media and communications platforms, as well as e-commerce, come to mind. Another sector that has enjoyed growing fortune during the pandemic is the U.S. housing sector. As indicated by writer Nicole Friedman, U.S. home sales rose to a 14-year high in October. October's gains marked the fifth consecutive monthly increase. While home sales were expanding in much of the nation prior to the coronavirus outbreak, they are running much hotter now. Many economists would agree that the outstanding performance of the U.S. housing market has been one of the more surprising elements of the pandemic. There are a number of factors at work, including ultra-low mortgage rates. More people want to social distance, inducing them to move out of crowded apartment buildings and into townhomes and single-family detached homes. Many also seek more space for a home office. Moreover, many people are spending a lot of time at home and therefore have sought nicer shelter. Money saved from not taking vacations and engaging in other forms of entertainment has also helped some families more rapidly amass down payments. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. The new president will inherit responsibility for a group of Americans in their 20s and 30s who have been repeatedly knocked down by economic forces over the past two decades. As indicated by Bloomberg, among the headwinds that young people face are rising housing and health care costs, record levels of student debt, the economic dislocations that many suffered during the Great Recession of a bit more than a decade ago, and now COVID-19. The COVID-19 recession has hit young American workers the hardest, in particular because of their tendency to work in industries like retail and restaurants. The wealth gap between the generations has been steadily widening since the 1990s. Baby boomers, a huge generation second only in size to the millennials, have done rather well on average. Adjusted for inflation, the median American household 55 and over has become more affluent since the 1980s, according to the most recent survey of consumer finances. By contrast, even a few young tech billionaires can't make up for the declining fortunes of millennials and their even younger Gen Z counterparts. Last year, the average household headed by someone under age 35 was about $76,000, down from an inflation-adjusted $81,000 in 2016. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.